The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily stand or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 28th of November, 2020. I'm your host, Bad Billy. And sorry, I was not available for a show last week. I did have a few issues that uh, forced me to cancel the show. But hey, uh, we, we continue with the show today and what a show we have. And by the way, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving so, for on the show this week, I'm going to be speaking with a gentleman by the name of Kenny Wilkerson. He's a, with a band called Nova Rex. They're an uh, 80s hair band that's yeah been around for the past 35 plus years. And uh, yeah, I'm anxious uh, to talk to him in just a little bit. Later on in the show, I'm going to be speaking with a former boxing heavyweight champion uh those of you in south africa should be quite familiar with him that's right the white buffalo francois botha yes gonna be uh good to talk to him as well so for uh also also one other thing i better not forget is uh the last segment and hopefully chris joins me for this uh we're not gonna have news of the weird i decided after watching uh Survivor Series, which I don't watch wrestling very often, by the way, but after watching Survivor Series, I saw they did uh, a f- basically a farewell to The Undertaker, and so I want to pay a little tribute to him because, I, I honestly, I'm not the biggest wrestling fan, but uh, if there was one man that I paid attention to in professional wrestling, it was definitely The Undertaker. So I want to pay some respects to him. But before we get to all that, I want to cue uh, one of the songs from Nova Rex. This is called Alone Tonight. And I'll be back with Kenny right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio.
Hey there, thrill seeker, rocking out to the station. I hear you, you're probably even sipping on a drink right now. An average blah blah drink in a can or bottle, one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you. I'll bet you want something different, don't you? Something more. Take your shot with Cold Cock Whiskey, the best whiskey anywhere. Why? Because it's different from other liquors. Cold Cock Whiskey is herbal whiskey, 100% all natural herbs blended with aged American whiskey. No more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. On Valentine's Day, single people have to take matters into their own hands. Mr. Holland, Mr. Holland, over here, over here. Ma'am, ma'am, please keep it in your pants. I think you're d- I have the right to f- Some people live in a world of censorship, forced to keep their thoughts and ideas quiet. But I have the right to freedom of speech, and so do you. Let your voice be heard. I, I have the right to freedom of speech. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, McCormick Foundation, and this station. First, there was Cranked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up went Country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? <laughs> no. Justice-involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked Up Live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Alone Tonight by Nova Rex, and it is my pleasure to welcome Kenny Wilkerson to the show. He's the bassist for Nova Rex. Kenny, how you doing, brother? Hey, Bad Billy. How are you, man? Hey, doing fantastic, doing fantastic. Thank you very much for joining. Hey, thanks for playing that song. That song's uh, almost 30 years old now. Almost 30 years old, yeah. I kind of figured that uh, from the vibe of the song, but it's like it's a good right. song. I tell my guys all the time, there's no way we could write songs like that now. Our brains don't even work like that. <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> uh, I try. You know, I'm trying to keep the 80s metal alive a little bit. You know, always a little touch of it. 
Yes, yes, mm. exactly, exactly. So uh, for those who are not familiar with Nova Rex and people who aren't familiar with you, uh, why don't you uh, give a little background to the listeners about the band, about yourself oh, wow. a little bit. Yeah, no, just that uh, uh, we've been together since 1985. This is our 35th uh, anniversary, believe it or not. So uh, out in the trenches all these years and uh, just uh, still, you know, representing the rock and roll stuff, you know, doing the, doing the uh, still trying to stay out on tour, still trying to sell, stay relevant, you know. Yes, well, I don't think staying relevant is uh, too too hard, but uh, trying to stay out on tour right now is rather difficult. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, Billy, is that they, you know, let's just go down the line. Mm -hmm. Radio airplay. You know, you're doing what you do. I'm in radio. The thing is, none of these bands get airplay anymore. You know, there's only a couple of uh, stations that run the whole damn FM market. So if you're not in that click, you're not getting airplay. Second of all, I did this thing. I do a little rock report uh, nightly on my show, and I did a thing last week where I seen that uh, a vinyl outsold CDs, right? First time in however, you know, whatever. And it's not that uh, vinyl's doing so much better, it's just that nobody buys CDs. So, because it's all downloads. So only last thing, the last line of defense for rock bands is to go play live, and now they took that away from us. So, uh, you know, and we just went seven months without a show. We played a weekend, and then we did a couple of weeks and played a show. I mean, I don't think I've done – we typically do about 100, 150 shows a year, and I think we're going to be at 12 for the year. Yeah, yeah, 2020 has been rather brutal, to say the least, hasn't it? Well, I just feel sorry for a lot of – you know, there's a lot of brands that are going to break up, a lot of venues that close. It's been pretty sad. Now, I mean – Obviously, the stronger survive, but I mean, I just seen where I'm pretty sure I just seen where Ozzy was like reannouncing his tour, his farewell tour in 2022, right? And you're like, damn, I hope he lives that long. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, at least to perform. You know what I mean? I mean, (laughs) these guys are on borrowed time. It's like, let's get this rock and roll party started. (laughs) And the other thing is, Billy, people don't understand how much they miss music until it's not there. And now you see it. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, I agree yeah. 100% too. And uh, I like what you said there too, is like uh, trying to keep that uh, that uh, 80s metal alive, you know, especially with uh, the way genres are changing anymore, like uh, especially country and metal have changed the most over the past decade too. I mean, sure. you know. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny for me. I mean, obviously... I'm not, I mean, I like all types of music. I really do. But if you ever listen to the commercial country stuff, to me, it's pretty much 80s metal vibe with a freaking violin or a twang in their voice. Big choruses, big solos. Uh, you know, these guys are, even even the way they dress is pretty, you know, flamboyant. You know, these country guys now. Yes. They're, they're studs and all that. So it's it's kind of just reminds me of that whole scene. Because the, but what's really weird, the thing that I've noticed they say it comes around, but, you know, 80s metal, when I, the stuff I grew up, you know, I grew up with the White Snake and your Motley Crue and your Rat, and, you know, your whole thing, right? Now, obviously, I had some more influences with the classic rock, you know, your Led Zeppelin and stuff. But what's really funny now is that 80s metal is classic rock. So, you know, you turn on your classic rock station in town, you're listening to Bon Jovi or Def Leppard, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> 
You know, it, it was back in uh, 2006, and I can't believe uh, that was 14 years ago, but 2006, right. I went to go see Poison and Cinderella in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania. It, okay. You know, it, it was a fantastic show until I had too much beer, but... <laughs> um, right, right. No, those are, two, those are two fun bands for sure. You know, and then one thing that just, uh, just brought me back was... Uh, I see all these people coming from uh, the same era in, in high school that I did, or maybe even before, and that smell of hairspray that, uh, you know, you just don't s smell very often anymore. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, well, yeah. I, I, I tell you it all the time. It's really funny. So I have my son, right? I got, I got a just turned 19-year-old boy, and I, I was talking to him about concerts, and I'm like, hey, man, you want to go to a concert or something? You know, you want to go out and see stuff? got any bands that you like I'm just making small talk and he's like dad i see concerts all the time i'm like really he's like yeah i watch them on youtube and i'm like oh buddy no no that's not going to a concert <laughs> you know so going to the concert is is what's fun about that it's a bunch of like-minded people that enjoy uh you know we're all, like i said we're all a dysfunctional family and you know the smells the sounds you know the hot girls come on you, yes. There's not that stuff you can't uh, get from one download from iTunes and watching it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, you don't. I agree 100%, you know. I mean, there's a big, big difference. Uh, remember back when I was a kid watching watching the Grammys or watching the MTV Awards or whatever, you know, or watching a concert on TV sure. and, then, right. and then going to it in person. I mean, oh, man. Yeah, this and like I said, I was kind of getting excited too because uh, for us, uh, last year was a good year. Uh, it was starting off really good this year as well with tours and a lot of bands are hooking up. I like that Motley Crue is wanting to do the stadium tour, you know, trying to do that kind of big, you know, remember how like Monsters of Rock did that kind of thing, you yes. know, or, or, you know, when they did the Us festivals, those kind of stuff. I would love to see those come back. Oh no! I got to tell you though, it it was uh, 1990. I went to an outdoor venue where uh, Neil Young headlined uh, a charity concert, and uh, not only it wasn't just Neil Young, but uh, God, um, Elvis Costello was there. A, a lot of traditional oh, rock wow. folk singers, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, that oh no, uh, somebody told me that was my first experience of what Woodstock would was like with all the weed that was going around <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. right yeah you're not going to get that again from youtube <laughs> you know the problem with social media i get this question asked a lot to me like you know what what do you think about social media these days and it's awesome for the fact that everybody can be heard but the problem is everybody can be heard so nobody's heard you're just you're just lost in in that mix now you know there's no real you know, I, I liked it when bands used to go out on the road and they they would write songs. They they would play every night. Uh, they would even try songs out. You know what I mean? Hey, here's a new song that we just wrote. See how it goes. This and that. But now it's just you know a lot of kids just in their home studios on their computer cutting that one song with a drum track. <clears throat> so I I kind of miss the whole musician part of it. You know? Sure, sure, absolutely. And, um, you know, I mean, the same can be sa said, too, in that aspect in the radio business, you know, because I was trained on things like uh, Adobe Audition, but uh, DJs before me uh, had to uh, 
had to work a lot harder with the reel to reel and uh, cassette tapes. Oh here. yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Ah, I totally remember it. First, one of the first radio shows we got on, I had to bring in an uh, I think it was a, a an 8th inch or 16th inch. It wasn't the big tape, it was the small tape. But I had to put the the album on a reel to reel to take it to the radio station. Crazy, right? Oh man. Kids don't even know. And then and you used to do edits with cuts. You had to cut your tape and then tape it back together if you wanted to take the solo out or whatever. It was crazy. And now, if, I mean, right now, I mean, like I said, it's it's really easy to record and a lot inexpensive now. Most people can do it from the house. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some, sometimes technology is good, but then again, you know, I mean, like I said, look at the, all, just the downloads. I mean, we sell CDs at shows now. You know, we just have our, 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 our list of CDs and, uh, we'll sell them, but usually it's just to sell it to get an autograph. You know, they'll still go home and download it on their on their uh, phone or whatever. And a funny story. So again, I got this radio show I'm nine months into, new one, FM show, and we do independent artists on Wednesdays. And I met this kid, and this guy was like, "Hey man, I got some CDs. Let me give you like six CDs." You know, I'm like, "I just I got one. I just need one song, brother." But anyways, the the point of it was, I don't have a CD player in my car or in my on my computer. I just don't even have one. I couldn't even play it if you gave it to me. I was like, just send me the MP3. <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? Well, then again, I've, I've one of my uncles still has a tape deck in his uh, pickup truck. So, yeah, Let's... well, good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> bring back the bring back the tapes. But no, everything's been fine. How was your Thanksgiving, by the way? Uh, stuffing to say the least. But yeah, there was plenty of food to go around. It, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, good. Well, good for you, man. I'm glad yeah. everything was fine. And uh, just uh, right now, I just, you know, like my band, just trying to keep the morale up and we just got our heads down trying to get out of the end of the year. Uh, like I said, we, we got, we've got some weekend uh, biker events that are coming up the first, uh, first two months of the year. And, uh, you know, hopefully some festivals in the summer if they do happen. But again, you know, the music business, it's, uh, it's not even month by month. It's week by week, day by day. Uh, just the rules and things that changed or you know you can go to south dakota and play but you can't go to new york and play you know what i mean like it's all kind of just hit and miss right now so yeah yeah exactly exactly you know i mean this yeah. this whole uh pandemic um you know i mean oh i don't know i don't know what to think because i i've had the covid and I, you know i dealt with it uh, pretty well i didn't get very sick but i know other people right. have you know but i'm thinking at the same time i can't help but think you know what getting sick is a part of life and we all deal with it you know it's not a pleasant part of life but it's it's a part of life and we if we get most of the time we get well and get on with our lives you know and uh it's like uh yeah how long? How long is it gonna gonna take before we can actually live again and quit existing? You know, again, I, I don't really know. It's it, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of my music buddies depressed. Um, uh, I don't know how you fight a virus, um, and I don't know how much. You know, you can't really trust a lot of news media's. I mean, obviously, it's a very serious thing. Of course, but they don't know what they're talking about from day to day. And and the funny joke that I make is like, look, I made it through the '80s, and now I'm in 2020. I'm gonna get stuck with a virus. It's like, come on, that ain't even fair. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not even fair. I made it through the but '80s that, too. I I was a kid throughout them, but still. Well, so was I. But 
Hey, you know, um, but uh, no, everything's been fine. You know, the, like I said, at least we got a couple of gigs under our belt recently. I got to play a couple of bike events. Uh, we just played, uh, I think, last weekend. We got a show. They're finding shows right now like finding a unicorn, you know, just hit and miss. And everything's kind of different. You know, some, some places you've got to wear the mask. Uh, some places you got to have food with the drinks. It's just a whole kind of setup. So we're just trying to stay alive. But uh, the good thing is we, we did um, just cut a new song, which I'm excited about. Uh, I mean, it's not like everybody's cutting songs, but we did cut a new track and we shot a video for it last weekend. And, uh, and we're going to drop that on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's, so that's I'm, awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited. So that came out of it, but we would have done something by now anyways. Just trying to, like I said, just trying to stay busy. And then the other cool thing that's happening, uh, Billy, is that uh, I got this cookbook. Yes. Um, what it is, yeah, if you don't mind, I'll tell you about it. My, What it is, I have a son that has Asperger's. It's a form of autism. Yes. I only have the one boy. Um, so I pretty much got the whole backstory on it. I mean, I, you know, he got diagnosed when he was six or seven. Uh, we've had him in autistic school. Um, we've homeschooled him. We've done all these different things. And, uh, you know, therapists and all that. Now, the thing about kids with um, autism is they're very smart. But when I put him in school, in autistic school, there were some kids that were like nonverbal and everything else. The other thing weird about that, uh, that I thought was odd, is remember when we were in school, when we were young, there was always the one kid that was just a little bit off. That was me. But now there's there's classrooms full of them. Yeah. And uh, they say one in 54 kids or one in 54 people in America have some form of autism. Um, now, sometimes it works to your advantage because they say like, you know, uh, Elon Musk probably has it or Beethoven had it or Einstein had it. You know what I mean? These are big, you know, smart thinkers. And um, so God bless them. But the society in general just doesn't really know how to handle them. What happened, though, was uh, I was doing a radio show, and I, w- I just got back from New Orleans, <clears throat> and I try to get over there about once a year. I really love their food. We have a really good time there. It's kind of my little place to go. Well, I was talking about how I just got back, and when you come back from New Orleans, if you've ever been, it takes you about a week to get over the food there because you're not going to go, like I said, to Olive Garden and you know, <laughs> you know, eat anything like that. So uh, I was talking to this guy, a musician. He's like, oh, you know, I'm from New Orleans. My, my grandparents are from New Orleans. I got this recipe. It's 100 years old, jambalaya. So he gave me this recipe. I started collecting them. And then before, uh, before you knew it, I had about 20 or 30 recipes sitting around from this different musicians. Then I went out and found this charity. I kept playing these festivals. And there was a charity called We Rock for Autism. They had a cool logo, really cool stuff. And I ended up talking to the guy over a couple of years in a row that I met him. I said, you know, I have a son with autism. Why'd you get into it? So we became friends. And again, it's a 501C out of South Florida. And what they do, they take the money they raise and do music therapy for kids that are on the spectrum. Well, that's completely in the wheelhouse of what I do. So now I have, you know, 20, 30 recipes. I've got the charity. So I kind of buckled down, just called my buddies that I played with over the years on the road or reached out to the rock and roll community, no lawyers, no record labels, none of that. And boom, done. I had a, uh, I ended up having about 80 recipes. Uh, the book is 127 pages, full glossy. It's a, almost a two pound book. It's a coffee table type of book. And, um, we end up doing 57 recipes in the book, 57 people. The, all, every recipe has two pages. And, um, there you go. So, and, and the proceeds go to We Rock for Autism. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. 
Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And the thing about the book, too, uh, it's never been done before. Uh, this is a rock star written cookbook. Um, I just reached out and said, give me what you, what you like. And basically, between me and you, come on. I mean, a lot of musicians are kind of artistic, talented, and use that side of the brain anyways. And, and a lot of them, believe it or not, were cooks or owned restaurants. You know, I, I've got Ron, uh, Ron Kills Chili in it, for instance, and that was like some fair winning chili. You know, I got Phil Fasson that plays with Last in Line now that was with Ozzy and I think Dio and Billy Idol. And, and uh, that guy used to own restaurants. So it's kind of all over the place. And, uh, and I just was really honored that they contributed to that. And like I said, never been done before. And it's a three-parter with the book. Um, if you happen to want to know, if you happen to be a Poison fan and you want to know what Ricky Rocket cooks, then buy the book. If you happen to have a family member, a friend, or you just want to support autism, a lot of people do. I mean, I do a lot of interviews, and they're like, my cousin, my sister, my, you know, uh, buy the book. And if you just happen to like to cook, especially now with the pandemic, I um, mean, you're not going to see these rockers now, but you can see what they cook for a living, right? So, um, you know, and my girl, she has like, you know, the Paula Dean, the Rachel Ray, the Martha Stewart. Those books never expire. So it's a really cool thing. Again, uh, the book sells for twenty nine ninety five, which is really inexpensive for a cookbook. I probably shorted it. It's my first book. I probably should have sold it for $40. But um be great time for people that uh, love rock and roll and be great time for uh, a stocking stuffer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Get them while the deals are hot, so, too. Yeah, that's. I'm just saying. Is this a, and, and like I said, you know, you can't see these, these people that are like really jonesing for rock and roll. This might be something that can kind of hold you over. And like, I, I know a lot of people have been cooking from home since this pandemic, anyways. That's kind of you know, you, there's not a lot of people going out to eat. So uh, if you want to, like I said, if you want to, uh, the late Frankie Benelli from Quiet Riot's in it. Uh, he's got some pumpkin ravioli. If you go to Rockin without a G, Rockin Recipes for Autism dot com. It's got flip pages, why I did the book, when I did the book, all that. And it's definitely uh, the most expensive thing I've ever done, the hardest thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding. And you can check it all out on rockinrecipesforautism.com. And a cool thing that happened is uh, a couple months ago, it was in Rachel Ray Magazine. Yes, yes. I was, I was reading about that, too. There's some, some, I mean, that's cool for a rocker. I never thought I'd be in Rachel Ray Magazine. That yeah. never was really in my uh, list, you know. Now, one other thing that uh, you mentioned to me in a private conversation that the listeners got to hear about, too, is that uh, you, had, you had a deal with the Smithsonian's uh, Museum. Oh, Smithsonian. Yeah, what happened was um, back in 2011, we released a documentary called Novarex Amy Z Being Cheesy. It was a documentary named after one of our CDs that we did back in the early 90s, and uh, it just kind of made fun of the 80s hair metal. We kind of all went through it, you know, the Aquanet and grunge kicking in, you know, the basic same stories, right, that a lot of bands have. But um, we just did it, and, and after the documentary came out, it was on the documentary channel for a couple of years, and then after that, it went to Netflix. Well, that started a whole thing with museums. And uh, my local museum from the, from the state of Indiana I'm from, Two Stoplight Town, they kind of threw me a parade and like 600 people showed up, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that was pretty easy, but local town museum, right? Then I sent my jacket off to the Hard Rock, which is corporate in Orlando where I live. And they were like, we love it. We'll take it. Matter of fact, it's hanging up at the Daytona Hard Rock now. It came out, they built this Daytona Hard Rock like two years ago, and my jacket's there. So then I thought, well, that's cool, but that's the Hard Rock. There's a ton of Hard Rocks, right? So as a dare, somebody said, go after the Smithsonian. 
And then I looked around, and um, I can't remember if there's seven or nine of them. I mean, can't quote me. But I ended up getting a hold of the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. Now, what they have, they have, like, uh, Dorothy shoes from the Wizard of Oz. They have Archie Bunker's chair. They've got stuff from uh, Muhammad Ali. You, you know, just that kind of yeah. the Muppets, whatever. Yeah, was- and um, I, I took a picture of this, uh, these chaps that I had. They were all bedazzled. I sent them to this 80s rock stuff from the 80s and a footlocker I had. And, and they said, look, we'll take everything you got. And I was the first person to ever bring any 80s rock swag into the museum. And they have it as part of a display as regarding fashion throughout the ages. So if you guys ever want to check it out, just go Nova Rex Smithsonian National Museum and click it. They, I'm sure something will come up on it. Yeah, yeah. And I've been there. I, and I've been there. I've been there and took, taken the tour and everything. So it's been really cool. Yeah, I, I was there uh, when when I was uh, 15. Uh, went to Washington D.C. and uh, went went to right. the Smithsonian. And I I remember. Uh, Seeing the phasers that they used in Star Trek, the original Kermit the Frog, and all kinds of exactly. shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it was, it's totally awesome. I got I got to go there and take the uh, vault tour and everything, so I got to see what like what was behind the scenes and what they had in the vault. But uh, no, it was it's totally awesome. And and actually, when I went there a couple of years ago, um, I happened to be going and playing up in, in the New England area. The band was we stopped off, and uh, he said after I. After he got the, the stuff from me, then he, since then he's gotten a Princess uh, Cloud guitar, Ellie, uh, Al, uh, I'm sorry, Eddie Van Halen's uh, Frankenstein guitar, Garth Brooks's guitar, Paul Stanley's guitar. So it's it's pretty cool. Yes, yes. And uh, one thing I want to touch on too, because wow, the clock is yeah. ticking on us, unfortunately. Um, yep. You know, as I was uh, looking. Uh, through your songs that of course I had to find on YouTube and uh, those I got a few on Amazon as well. Um, okay. And then of course uh, it was emailed to me one song that kind of stood out just the title alone. She's a right. bitch. <laughs> She's a bitch. You know that's actually a, a, it's an empowering song to a woman by the way. It's not as bad as it sounds but it, it was just a song that uh, uh, my singer Adrian uh, wrote lyrics on about going through a bad relationship, hooking up with a girl. I mean, it's rock and roll, right? But uh, you, did you uh, did you check out the video? It's a pretty cool video. I haven't I haven't had a chance to check of, out the video yet. I, what was that? I haven't had a chance to check out the video yet. I heard the song, and the other one I really right. like uh, is uh, Lock and Load. Good one, too, right? Yeah. We did that. We dedicated that song to the military. Um, we've always been fans of the military. Uh, we're just supporting them no matter what uh, political party you're on. You know what I mean? Of it's course. Just, we know that ultimately they set us free. So, uh, And we do a lot of USO events. Uh, again, we play a lot of bike events as well, which kind of leans that way. And, uh, you know, it's you know, good stuff. I mean, just, we're just proud of the military. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Plus, play, plus didn't, that, didn't that song sound a little bit like Ozzy? I mean, it was a great song, right? Well, <laughs> I love the riff. Well, actually, see, I, I, I used to be a fighter. You know, I've, I've, I've done a little bit of boxing. I trained MMA and jiu-jitsu and all that. And I mean, it was songs. Oh, cool. Yeah, songs like that that uh, you know really mo- motivated me to train. You know, and like. Damn, this is great. You know, I mean, yeah, it pumps you up, right? Well, you know, the thing—that's the thing about music. Uh, music's a time capsule in time that you remember when I got my first kiss, when I when I when I got laid for the first time, when I 
you know, broke up for the first time, when my dog died. You know, you know, I mean, it goes on forever. And it's always, you have to understand that music always is a part of that. Um, so, you know, and they, you know, they take it out of schools, they do all these things with it. So I'm just really all about, and, 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 and really happy to meet guys like yourself who keep flying that flag, you know, keep playing the music and, 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 uh, you know, interviewing people. And, uh, that's, it's very important. That's all I can say. Yes. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, with, uh, with, with shows being kind of difficult to come by anymore do you have anything scheduled for the upcoming future yeah like i said uh, right now all we got we're going to drop a new song on midnight new year's eve uh in a video we have uh, some show dates um we got three back-to-back shows a friday saturday sunday the last week of january uh we've got a couple of shows in west palm florida with a band called saving able uh, the first weekend of February at Treasure Coast, um, Harley, and uh, just you know, like I said, you know, things change weekly, man. So, yes, yes, now, I did want to ask you um, when yep. uh, going back to the eighties and nineties, uh, uh, who who did you uh, get the uh, opportunity to tour with? Perhaps open for who did you? Anybody in particular you have open for you back in the day? Yeah, um, well, I would say, well, I've had some people open for me, too, but <clears throat> we've opened up for a lot of bands. I, w- I would say probably the one, of, one of the biggest ones back in the, in the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, we did a couple of shows with Cheap Trick. Uh, that was a big deal. We were direct support for them. Um, we played with Jackal. We played with uh, David Lee Roth. Uh, I mean, I just played. Uh, we when we do the festivals, it, it cheats a little bit. I mean, like the festivals, I just did one in Montana last year that we play, and it was us, Don Dawkin, and then Zach Wild. Oh wow! You know? I mean, that was so. Uh, I've opened up for Lita Ford many times. You know, Rat, Stephen Piercy combo. Uh, man, I, 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 it's hard. It's hard to think of what bands I haven't played with. You know, I mean that—that's awesome. You got to uh, open for Lita Ford on a number of occasions because, if you ask me, you know, I mean, uh, I'm looking at uh, f- at females in rock and roll today are really, really um, making making a, the biggest impact ever. And I look at Lita Ford, and you know, I I love everything she's done, but I just feel that she's so underrated. You know, I mean, be- best known for that duet she did with Ozzy, but she is so underrated and deserves a lot yeah, more respect well, that than was she a, has. that was a number one hit. You, you know, yeah. um, we kind of know Alita personally. I mean, uh, my my old guitar player was, used to be a guitar teacher at one time. But the the thing with Lita, we did, I remember, Lita plays a lot of bike events. She does. A lot of Sturges, a lot of Panama City uh myrtle beach you know i mean go on there's a bike event somewhere usually every month somewhere and a lot of harley davidson stuff and uh this i remember like two years ago we played with her four times in like in like i don't even know two weeks we just kept meeting her you know what i mean but yeah she's uh she definitely helped start that trend and yes the female singers right now is a hot item if if I was going to put a band together from scratch, I'd probably have a female singer. No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's always you know nice eye candy too, right? I mean, who you know <laughs> the, the problem with the problem with having a female in your band, you just got to make sure you know, 
nobody in the band bangs her. <laughs> I mean, you think I'm kidding, but you know, mm-hmm. look at a lot of these, uh, a lot of these women that are fronting bands. They're either dating the guitar player, the roadie, the the manager. It's always it's always somewhat connected, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I've just I've actually had someone on my show. Uh, who I don't know if you've ever heard of Hydrogen, but uh, they're uh, they've been through. Uh, Two sing- three singers actually, all three of them females, but uh, all three of them had having some kind of connection that they they told me about. So, runners, I mean, look at Fleetwood Mac; they were all banging each other. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 tough, but uh, no, I, I love it, man. Like uh, Hellstorm, bands like that, Pretty Reckless. Yeah, you know, all good stuff, man. You know, Evanescence, obviously. I've, and speaking of that, I've got uh, Will Hunt, the drummer for Evanescence, uh, in my cookbook. So, uh, uh, again, I just throw back on the cookbook real quick is just go to rockin recipes for autism.com. Uh, the book ships and with, it'll be in your house within five days and you can get it autographed. I, I'm throwing in some, uh, free little gifts from, the, uh, from the charity as well. And again, for twenty nine ninety five, it's one of a kind, uh, for your, anybody that's a rock and roll and loves to cook. Absolutely. And you know, and I'll tell you the problem with, I tell you a problem I did have though, uh, bad Billy is that the, I had a hard time finding female rockers to be in the book. Oh, wow. I did. Well, cause mine was pretty well set on a certain level. Now I don't know, you know, Hellstorm. I don't know. I don't know these people. Um, but you know, but I, when you go back, who you got, who you got, you got Lita Ford, you got Vixen, obviously you got Hart. You, you know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't snag anybody. So I was, I was, I actually had a tough time about, I would have loved to had, I would have loved to had more females in the book. Yes. Vixen. That's another one. Very underrated and, uh, just got to listen to them, you know, and it will listen to their music. Don't just listen to the, the one hit that they had, just listen to everything that they did and it will entice yeah. you. They were so talented and deserve so much hey, listen, more respect. I, pl- played many shows with them you know um yeah but that's another thing too where we're talking about the difference between albums cds and obviously downloads that's the thing that i miss because when i was younger i would get the album or the cd i'm not that freaking old and i would listen to every track and a lot of times i would end up liking the b-side stuff because you get to know the band now it's just people just snag the one song one song one song that's it well, see, that's why a lot of these bands are just putting out one song at a time now. Well, see, I would I would often buy tapes or CDs for that one song, but that didn't that doesn't mean that I didn't listen to the rest of it. So. Well, that's how they, that's how that's how it's supposed to work. You know, you hear yeah. one good song, you buy it, and you're like, oh wow, I actually like track four. I actually like track six and seven. You know what I mean? And that's that's how you get to kind of get a relationship with the band. Yes. You know what I mean? You feel like you know them, they, they're singing, and, and yeah, I miss that. So, yeah, the, listen, uh, again, I, I just appreciate what you do, and, uh, you know, God bless you, because uh, the rock and roll business is a complete madhouse right now. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I hate to say this, Kenny, but we are out of time. Got to hit our music. Oh, that went quick. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, Got to hit our music set where I'm going to play three more of your songs uh, coming up uh, by Nova Rex. But before we get to that, once again, plug the cookbook and plug uh, Nova Rex if anybody wants to uh, purchase their music. Where can they go? 
Oh, I appreciate you. Uh, Nova X, uh, 35 year history. Just Google the band. Uh, we're, we're on all the social media outlets. And as far as the music, it's out there. I mean, I don't even want to go. It's all on the, so, you know, Spotify and all that. Uh, as far as the cookbook, again, rockin without a g rockin recipes for autism.com there's foot pages there where the uh, a, a thing about the charity and where the money goes uh why i did the book dedication and it's got a few of the little interviews like i said about the rachel ray all that stuff is there and uh like i said it's, it's a it's a thing that i i did on my own i mean it's my first book but uh you know i i ate the cost and made it all happen and it was very expensive but i think it's well worth it and uh, they'll do a lot for these kids on the autistic spectrum. All right. Well, Kenny, once again, I thank you very much for joining the show. And I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. And I have to look into that cookbook because I do have a wife that likes to cook. And I got a sister who likes to cook. There you go, cook. right? Perfect. Yes. You know, she likes rock and roll. You're in good shape, brother. <laughs> yes. All right. Hey, once again, Thanks, thank you man. so much. God bless and take care. Thanks, man. Keep it going. You Later, bet. brother. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Kenny Wilkerson of bassist for the band Nova Rex. We're going to hit our music set uh, coming up. Uh, we have three more songs by Nova Rex and also throwing in the mix as well. I've got uh, Aaron McAndrew and High Caliber. When we come back, we got the Idiot of the Week and... Got the interview with former boxing heavyweight champion Francois the White Buffalo Botha. We'll be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? Swear 
And recently, every year, it's followed by a slew of spoiled jackasses taking to Twitter and other social media, bitching and complaining about the gifts they receive on Christmas morning. I can't believe my mother didn't get me the newest iPhone. She knew I wanted an iPhone, and all I got was the newest Samsung Galaxy. She's such a bitch. Lady, you just got a $400 phone, which your parents are paying a monthly bill for, and you've got the nerve to tweet complaints about it using that very same phone you just got. Really? Really? Frankly, if I was the parent of a spoiled bitch like that, I'd just take that phone right back to the store where I got it and come back with some lame-ass flip phone from the turn of the century. Here you go, you spoiled prick. Text on that! And, and, and you know, it, it doesn't just start and stop with phones. Clothes, toys, games, gaming consoles, cars. People are complaining about getting the wrong fucking color car. I wanted my Mini Cooper in red and they got me yellow. I hate my parents. You got a car. A fucking car for Christmas. I still have to take the fucking bus. Which is exactly what I'd be making this brat do from now on. Here's a bus pass, dick. Have fun sitting in the back with the angry gang of teens using a retro ghetto blaster to annoy the seniors for the next 12 months. You jackass. And, 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 and you know, you know, I get it. I get it. You expect one thing and get another, and it's disappointing. I get it. But seriously, save the complaints for the cheap, scratchy wool sweater you know you'll never wear. Complain about the toe socks you just find weird and impractical. Complain about the eggnog and its lack of alcohol content. But, you know, when it comes to $400 phones, $20,000 cars, and pretty much anything over 50 bucks, keep your fucking mouth shut. I don't want to hear people whine and complain because they got the wrong phone, or they got the wrong gaming console, or the wrong fucking color car. It's free. You have no right to complain about it. And you know, if you don't want whatever you got, send it to my P.O. box, okay? I'll either use it or donate it to someone who can, okay? And, 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 hey, have you ever wondered why your parents have to get you stuff for Christmas? Have you? It's because Santa already knows you're a whiny little bitch and decided long ago to stop showing up to your fucking house when you complained about getting the wrong fucking Pokemon when you were six. Okay? Santa hates you, and your parents are just trying to keep up tradition so you don't feel bad. 
You know, j just be thankful they don't toss you in a dumpster with a bullet in your head. Alright? Merry Christmas! Send me your stuff because you don't want it. The guy who creates this cartoon is an artist and he doesn't make much money. He makes a little bit. But he could use a gaming console that you don't want. You little whiners.
For Miss Wright, Miss Wright now. Can I put the pipe down? Sexual appetite hit me if you ain't acting right. Call some of your girls, ain't no telling what could happen tonight. Tell them put on their best dress and get their makeup right. Tell those girls to bring their girls so we can pack it tight. I bring the fellas, but it ain't a house party. More like a kickback. My nigga, please leave a strap. I'ma go and hit the wash and shine up my ride. Clean out my interior and armor all my ties. Go back home, get pressed, dressed and organized. Dressed to impress, I'm looking sharper than the knife. All my life I've been fly to the motherfucker. Willis nigga I know can't compare me to another brother. Off the fifth of Hennessy and the eighth of Bubba. I bet I can get her home, get them panties off and stuff on top of the cup. When I'm just trying to get started to roll with me Roll with me Why these niggas wanna start tripping Fighting in the party When I'm just trying to get baby to roll with me Let's get her home with me Hey, hey 
everybody wears hats. I just came to kick you some tunes to keep it cracked. Me, I brought the weed and the drink and some thug passion. I didn't run far from home and I'm just trying to find a bone. So ain't no need for straps. Homie, why you holding that? Ain't no problems over here. The only beef is in my lap. In a thick, fine ass red bone on top of that. We just trying to enjoy this little bit of ice with the jack. Damn, yo, room full of bad hoes. I'm watching dance slow. Move like the flames on the candle. We don't want no trouble, nigga. You can hit the damn road. I just came to rap, plus my band broke. Plus, baby, tips me. She don't even care where my hands go. So, why you niggas tripping? Why you acting like Rambo? Better slide up under one of these cuties. It's way too much booty. I mean, beauty up in here to be tripping off you assholes. Now, grab some hoes. Why you niggas wanna start tripping? Shoot up the parties. When I'm just trying to get started, roll with me. Go with me. But why these niggas wanna start tripping, fighting parties? When I'm just trying to get baby to roll with me. Get her home. I ain't trippin' off shit, no, not tonight Tryna serenade the ladies, cause the body's right Steppin' on my kicks, I been down, just a swipe Niggas bumpin' into me, but shit, you know what, it's alright What's up, baby, how you doing here? You need a light? Let's put it in the air Yeah, I seen you from over there, nah, I didn't mean to stare But these thoughts I must share, that's a mean-ass dress And I love what you did with your hair What's your name? Where you from? What's your number? Do you got a man? Is it working? Can I come up? Can I get you over my house? For a slumber, but that's if you lucky, love you till the sun come up. So, what's up? Can I swoop in? Take you from your man, cause the nigga snooze in. Don't waste my time and have me looking stupid. Just as I was about to get them digits, somebody start shooting. Damn. Why these niggas wanna start tripping? Shoot up the parties. When I'm just trying to get started, roll with me. Roll with me. Why these niggas wanna start tripping? Fighting the parties. When I'm just trying to get a baby to roll with me. To get her home with me.
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. If you love music that knows no boundaries, then check out The Drive Home with Derek Stark. He plays two hours of country, rock, and hip-hop. For more information, including a list of affiliate stations that air The Drive Home with Derek Stark, like and check the Facebook page by going to facebook.com forward slash ABS The Drive Home. You can also follow at Derek Stark on Twitter. The Drive Home with Derek Stark. It's music that knows no boundaries. That means anything goes. One interesting, unpredictable ride. The Drive Home with Derek Stark. Hop aboard via one of the fine affiliate stations part of the Drive Home Convoy. Some material may be unsuitable for children under 18. Mary Jane CBD and Vape Shop, the only CBD dispensary in the city. We have CBD oil, CBD flour, CBD pre-rolls, and CBD-infused hot beverages at your service. We do not have any THC in our CBD products. Stop on in at 302 West Victory Drive, Savannah, Georgia. Use CBD420 to get a 20% discount at the store. Mary Jane CBD and Vape Shop, again at 302 West Victory Drive. Yo, baby, you've your ass on lick by a fat man in an overcoat? You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. 
You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Nova Rex with Bosoms and Beer. Before that, Get Her Home by High Caliber. Before that, Nova Rex with She's a Bitch. Before that, Aaron McAndrew with I Don't Need You. And starting off the whole set, Novarex with Lock and Load. And once again, big shout out to Kenny Wilkerson. Thank you very much for joining the show and uh, giving us a little uh, insight and history of uh, heavy metal and, yeah, providing some great songs that we are listening to. Absolutely. All right. In just a little bit, I'm going to cue the interview that I recorded with the White Buffalo Francois Boisda. But before I get to that, you know I've got to reveal... The Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week this week. I don't know if I can properly pronounce his name. Uh, Darren Stokey, out of Sutherland, England. Or Sunderland, England, sorry. Well, so this idiot was uh, drunk and uh, was uh, shoplifting somewhere. And when a hero customer tried to stop him, uh, he threatened to stab him. And then, of course, he was so damn drunk that uh, he had to uh, go pass out uh, in some alley behind the store. And, of course, they caught him and arrested him for shoplifting. (laughs) What a fucking idiot. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Yeah, you can see his mugshot. Go to our Twitter uh, right now. The uh, Twitter, Outlaw Radio Twitter, is suspended. Uh, I mean, it's still up there, but I cannot post on it. So I got the backup one right now where I'm posting at Outlaw Radio underscore ABS. All right. That said, let's go to Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion with the White Buffalo, Francois Botha. Boxing! It'll be scored as a knockout! It's all over! We've got a brand new heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson! Kickboxing! Martial arts. Professional wrestling. And apparently, Hell in a Cell match is officially underway. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Knuckle up and throw down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion, it is my pleasure to welcome the White Buffalo, Francois Botha, to the show out of South Africa. Francois, how you doing, brother? Great stuff. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for being here. So, no, you're welcome. Absolutely. So, uh, 
Just to uh, get uh, some of the listeners who are not familiar with the white buffalo, shame on them if they're not. But uh, um, so, uh, to uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started in the sport of boxing to begin with. I was a young boy of uh, probably six, seven years old, and my dad uh, took me to the boxing boxing clubs. And I started from there, you know, and I went on and I achieved uh, many, many great things. I've won uh, my country's colors twice, all gold gold medals at the All-Africa Games. And uh, I won about 28 amateur titles. Never thought that I would turn pro one day, but yes, the opportunity came and I turned pro. And I never looked back after that, though. Yes, yes, and... And it's not just uh, just the boxing ring, too. I mean, uh, you've tried your hand at kickboxing, and you've done uh, at least, I think, one bout of MMA, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I actually got tricked into that. Uh, you know, I actually flew me to Japan on a, on a New Year's show and uh, basically told me that I'm going to do a pro wrestling match. And as I came there, they told me, no, I'm doing MMA. And I said, no, no, I'm not doing that. So I actually doubled my money, and I looked at the guy uh, across from me, and he was uh, very strong. He was like a six-time uh, gold medalist kung fu champion or something like that. And I said, damn, one shot, and I got him, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And uh, sure enough, you know, I got to take my head off to those guys because it's all technique. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Now, we'll, we'll, have, to, we'll have to get into that uh uh, a little bit uh, later in the interview. But, um, so I'm actually looking at uh, your professional record right now, and uh, you you went on to win, uh, what, uh, 30? I'd be... Yeah. No. 30, you went undefeated 36 bouts before your first loss. If I, Correct me, if I believe my first loss was uh, against Michael Moore. Which, uh, which, uh, any other night I probably could have uh, stopped him in a couple of rounds, but uh, Buffalo was way overtrained for that fight. Coming back the first round, I was out of gas, no energy at all. <laughs> that happens sometimes in this sport, and I've I've seen it happen to the very best. So there, there's no shame in that, you know. And uh, but, well, leading leading up to that too, I mean, you had a you had a few bouts in. Uh, South Africa, a uh, few bouts in Europe, but for the most part, uh, a lot of your pro career leading up to that moment with Michael Moore was uh, right here in the United States. That's correct. Yeah, I lived in in uh, Irvine, Texas, for four years, and then uh, Tyler, Texas. I mean Tyler, Texas, Bayou Rose of Texas. And then uh, I moved to Newport Beach, California, where I probably remained for most of my career. And uh, see, that I didn't know. And uh, did, who have you uh, had the opportunity to train with while you lived here stateside? Oh, plenty. I mean, Tyrell Biggs, uh, Tony Tucker, all those guys were there. And uh, but those were guys that I used to, to spar with, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so many, so many fighters in one. Once, I mean, when I go into a gym, they they they're lining up. They just want to get a chance to 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 be with a buffalo. 
Yes, yes, indeed. Um, one thing, one thing I have to ask too is um, I'm like uh, another great heavyweight to uh, come out of South Africa was the was the late uh, Corey Sanders. Did you ever get a chance to train with him or spar with him or anything like that? I actually, I, I actually fought Corey Sanders as an amateur, and he did beat me as an amateur. Uh, very quick hands, uh, very strong fighter, but a very weak chin, by the way, uh, as I say so. But I, I mean, you know, he did South Africa proud, and uh, he won a lot of, uh, I mean, he won the WBO championship. Yeah, not very many people can say that uh, they've beat one of the Klitschko brothers, and he did it. So I'm Yes, yes, yes. Quick hands, that's quick hands, and I mean, he caught Klitschko like Klitschko didn't even see the punch coming. Yeah. And uh, like the first dance where they had, that's how he how he caught Klitschko off guard. So so you fought him as an amateur, and uh, but uh, after that, uh, did, did you and him ever uh, correspond in training, or were were you guys friends at all? Or yeah, yeah, we were friends, and actually there was a, still an interview on Bulls Radio. I think it's still on there if you go to the archives. Uh, you can see Corey Sanders, Francois, both of uh, the last interview, where me and him actually spoke about, you know, it's time to get it on, uh, you know, South Africa and the whole probably, most of the world will probably enjoy a fight like that. And uh, we were in discussions of uh, getting a fight together, and uh, unfortunately, you know, his life uh, ended uh, tragically. Yes, yes, that was about to be my next uh, question, is if uh, that incident hadn't have happened, do you think uh, you would have had a, a professional bout with him? Yeah, I'm sure definitely down the line, uh, you know, South Africa would demand for the two of us to get in the ring together, that would have uh, definitely probably be a, uh, a fight in the future that uh, everybody would want to see. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, what... Another question I got to ask you too is, uh, you know, um, one guy I've had on my previous uh, show that I used to do that was uh, based uh, all all combat sports, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, what have you. I I talked to uh, Chris Van Heerden and I've also talked to his brother Donnie too. Um, another uh, name that's uh, very well known in bo boxing in, in South Africa, Nick Durant. Uh, do you ever have a chance to uh, train or correspond with those guys at all? Yeah, definitely. I've been I've been in Johannesburg a couple of times. You know, the buffalo gets around, and everybody want to see the buffalo, meet the buffalo. So uh, you know, I had the opportunity to train with them and see them. You know, it's uh, quite quite some uh, beautiful people. You know, beautiful people. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, of course, uh, when you when you were in South Africa, and then you came over here to the United States, and you're staying over here, uh, what was the was there a difference in the training or or the uh, training regiment for you at all? Yeah, yeah, you know, it it was always a war in my in my sparring sessions because everybody want to make a name for themselves. So my my sparring sessions was always a war, and my trainers always. Uh, I mean, they they actually probably enjoyed that, and uh, actually uh, you know turned it on, turned on the heat more and more. Yes, yes, 
Now, uh, one thing too is, um, I mean, uh, your record, you know, you got a lot of wins and uh, less than 10 losses. And your losses are a who's who. You've lost to the very best. You lost to people that there's no shame in losing to. Um, uh, Michael Moore being one of them, as you mentioned, uh, Iron Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, um, Evander Holyfield. So you've been in there with the very, very best. You fought the elite. And not very many people can say that they've done what the Buffalo yeah. has done. No, 100%. The buffalo is popular, and everybody want to get a piece of a buffalo. Unfortunately, I know, you know, that night's heavyweight division, anything can happen. As you know, that uh, Mike Tyson, I was leading the fight so far, I couldn't lose. Uh, most of my fights, uh, the buffalo's in, in uh, here on points. I think the only one that I didn't really perform was the Lennox Lewis belt. Yes, yes, I, I watched that fight, but... Uh... Lennox Lewis at that time, too, was just 100% on top of his game. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know who got a worse beating from – well, I think Tyson got a worse beating from him than you did. I mean, you were knocked out by uh, Lennox Lewis, but uh, Tyson got punished. Like, yeah, yeah. You see, I, when Lewis threw a good uppercut and straight right overhand and he knocked me out of the ring, and basically, you know, the time that I took to get back into the ring, they stopped the fight. So uh, definitely want to talk about uh, the bout with Mike Tyson. Of course, uh, Mike Tyson had been a, a, a year or two-year layoff because, uh, you know, of the uh, fiasco with Evander Holyfield and biting mm -hmm. his ear and all that. And uh, you were uh, you were scheduled to be Mike Tyson's uh, comeback fight. And, and it uh, you really did test him very well. I mean, a lot of people had written you off. In fact, I, I remember um, they're saying, oh, oh, this guy, both of, we don't know who he is, but Tyson's going Tyson's to kill him. Tyson's going to kick his ass. And, and uh, really, uh, it wasn't that way at all. You you really tested him. Mm. Yeah, you know, everybody thought I would be with sacrificial lamb, but, uh, I mean, me and Mike, uh, you know, I trained in, in his camp. I trained most of his partners, most of his uh, opponents, his sparring partners, and I always, uh, you know, probably messed him up quite and he also knew and he heard about it and then he also one day he told me he said buffalo we got to do some sparring and i said you know mike why would i do that and he said why i said you know because you once you spar me you'll never fight me and that'll give up my i'll have to give up my payday against you <laughs> <Yeah>. wow <laughs> never heard anything like that yeah. before yeah. but uh yeah, cause I, I know i know once he's part the buffalo he would never fight the buffalo yeah, uh, his uh, yeah his timing and everything uh, was was off up up until that uh, that last moment where he landed that punch and. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I think uh, I think I, I think Tiger Woods couldn't do either golf ball better than that punch where he landed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what exactly uh, what was your was your plan against Tyson? Obviously, you got some height, you got some reach on him, which was something that uh, Evander Holyfield and Buster Douglas took advantage of, you know. And that seems to be Tyson's weakness because he's not a very very tall guy for a heavyweight. You stick. No, I, I yeah, I just I just had the time up on the inside because in the inside is very you know he's he's, he's short punches are very powerful. So I tied him up on the inside and kept, you know, boxed him on the outside. Yes, yes. 
At uh, and uh, speaking with Tyson, uh, you know, in, in just a little while, he's going to be taking on uh, Roy Jones Jr. Um, I don't. I I just have to say, you know, I'm looking at Tyson at uh, what 55 years old. And he's looking like the Tyson that uh, I remember when I was a kid, when he was when he was twenty years old, and he and uh, he he won the title against Spinks, which I'll never forget. In fact, uh, let me let me just tell you really quick too. Uh, I was uh, I was living in a hotel that uh, my mother was working working at uh, the the lounge uh, downstairs, and we lived in the upstairs hotel. And uh, they had to bring in another TV because they were going to show the T- the Tyson Sphinx fight. And uh, well, that uh, that second TV they brought in, uh, it they it only stayed downstairs for what maybe about a half hour before they had to take it right back up because the fight was over. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Mike Tyson for you. I mean, uh, you know, most of his most of his opponents didn't last one round. So, I mean, that's why everybody loves him, because everybody loves knockouts in boxing, especially in the heavyweight division. And, uh, you know, Mike Tyson is the best when it comes to that. Yes, yes. I mean, and he's looking phenomenal even in his 50s. I mean, he's obviously had a long rest. Um, I just don't, when it comes to Roy Jones Jr., you know, he has not had a very good outing. I mean, I remember him in his prime, and he was awesome. But he slowed down. I think he's become a little punch mm. drunk a little bit. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, he's, and as a heavyweight, I mean, his speed's going to be declining. He won't have the same speed as he did. And yeah, yeah. That that's another thing too. And Tyson's. I mean, I saw the I saw the clip. You know where he's working the bag, and and working the pads. His his hand speed is still there. You know, and that's. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, you know, whether or not they're heavyweights, welterweights, it doesn't matter. You know, so, so, uh, often speed goes away with age. It's power that you keep, as George Foreman yeah. has proven. But uh, he doesn't doesn't look like he's lost any step. Not only that, too, but Tyson really hasn't taken a tremendous amount of punishment uh, throughout his boxing career, whereas uh, Roy Jones in his later years has. And I mm. I, I just don't think. Uh, I just don't see it going well for I, Roy I, Jones. I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't see it going well even. I don't see that uh, Jones can take the power. You know, my cousin's got a lot of power, and I don't think he's going to be able to handle that power. And you know by experience about that power. <laughs> mm, no, it's tremendous. I mean, you know, he throws every punch to knock out. Every punch is coming to hurt you. Yes. Yes. So, 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 so let's let's hope that he can get past uh, Roy Jones because after Roy Jones, uh, you know, the Buffalo never had a, had a rematch. I, I think probably most because most of the guys that I fought probably thought that the, you know the rematch they might be in danger. But uh, there's an opportunity that me and Mike will probably go to Qatar. Uh, to do the, the, the White Buffalo against uh, Tyson too. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, yeah, I'm looking at your record too, and there was a I, you had a draw with somebody he he just uh, destroyed, and uh, what uh, I can't pronounce the guy's name, but Clifford's his first name, and I'll just leave it at Clifford, that. Clifford, 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 at the end, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you had a draw with him, and uh, D- Tyson just destroyed him that one night. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. He, def- he definitely got the power to. I, I think he can knock out anybody. 
Yes. But, uh, uh, you know what, it's, uh, we'll see if we can do it the second time around with a buffalo, you know. Uh, I don't I don't see because I I know how to fight him. I know exactly how to fight him. So we'll see. It'll be exciting, but let's let's let him see uh, to get past uh, Roy Jones. And after Roy Jones, uh, you know, then uh, there can be some negotiations, and we can see if he's uh, if he's up to it to come and face a Buffalo. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I'd look forward to that if uh, you can make that happen too. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell me on, on, on another on another note, Billy. Uh, you you very much involved in uh, with the farmers in South Africa. Oh yes, yes. Well, you definitely got uh, got to get on that too. It's just that uh, you know. I mean, I started talking to uh, South Africans uh, basically on my previous show that I used to do, which, was, like I said, was all combat sports. You know, where I talked to uh, the majority of the uh, EFC champions because uh, I, you know, once once I reached out, it's. Uh, my name was getting out there with the um, with the South African MMA community, and then uh, you know later on, it, you know where I wanted to focus on other things besides the combat sports, and I wanted to do this. I started uh, Outlaw Radio, where I'm I blend in everything from combat sports to comedy to uh, even s- serious political discussions. You know, I I started getting mm. in, started getting into the music scenes where you know I've in- interviewed. Uh, you know the likes of Jack Perrow, Francois von Koch, uh, mm, even mm. Steve Hoffmeyer. You know, so I've. I, oh, okay. Yeah. So you've been you've been you've been active in a lot of in South Africa, then. Yes, yes, I have, and then, then of course, uh, I I'll never forget it though. Um, before I ever talked to people in South Africa, was I was watching a documentary in the mid nineties where they were talking about uh, crime in South Africa, crime in Cape Town, crime in Johannesburg, crime in Pretoria and Durban. And, you know, they were talking about how crime was going up. But then they were were about to cut to a commercial break, and they basically said in their own words, the worst is yet to come. And then they started Mm -hmm. come back from commercials, and they started talking about what was going on on South African farms. And this was was, uh, very shortly after the fall of apartheid, and uh, in the mid '90s, when um, when Mandela was president, and now you know, I started hearing more and more about the farm murders. In fact, uh, one of the interviews uh, that I did with uh, one of your, your musicians over there, uh, Albert Frost, he even he even uh, almost fell victim to a farm attack and wrote a song about it. And him and, him and I talked about it. Then I started studying more, looking into the corrupt ANC and EFF government, you know, whether whether it be uh, uh, Jacob Zuma, President Ramaphosa, or Julius Malema, and I started understanding more and more what was going on, and I, there, there's some, there's some trouble going on over there. Big time, big time, yeah. and uh, did you see my profile I've sent you regarding PRSS, yes. our company that uh, can assist with the security for the farmers? But, if, uh, you know, the government, the, the problem that we are sitting with is the government don't pay. So uh, we need to find probably individual organizations that, like uh, the United Nations or anybody else that uh, want to assist the farmers. And then we can put our security in there and, uh, you know, help all these farmers. Well, you know, I mean, they were so quick. Like, the, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say bring back apartheid. 
But I understand apartheid a lot better now and uh, understand mm. that there's even black people over there that uh, they're silent, but they're saying bring back apartheid because we were safe. 100%, 100%. A lot of, a lot of the black people, uh, you know, uh, uh, like you're saying, they say bring back a bottle because a bottle, they were safe. Now, not, now everybody's like wild game. You, you know, you, you, have, you can be a victim anytime. Yes, yes. And when it comes to the farmers, too, I mean, you know, I mean, we hear the stories of uh, what happens to white farmers, you know, the the torture, the rape, the horrible things that happen. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but, yeah. But, but, but you know what, uh, but the thing is, it's not, a, it's not just white farmers, it's even black farmers. Yeah, I was about uh, to I say mean, that. All, 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 farmers, all farmers are in danger, you know, in, uh, in, in South Africa at the moment. Yeah, it's, yeah it, it's not narrowed down to one color. All races, all farmers are in serious trouble over yes. there. And, and and we we as PRSS, you know, we want to assist these farmers, you know, and giving giving our security. But as we know, government don't pay, so we need to find an organization that is willing to invest and you know save the farmers and protect the farmers because they're the backbone of this country. I mean, soon soon we all will have to import foods because uh, all our farmers will be uh, either killed, uh, dead, you know. Uh, and then and, and then we'll have to start importing food, which which our farmers currently supplying now. I mean, uh, I looked into what they what uh, Robert Mugabe did in Zimbabwe, and that 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 was just horrible. That was twenty years ago, and um, yes, you know, I mean, uh, actually, the farming industry in uh, Rhodesia slash Zimbabwe, whatever you want to call the country, used to be the the main head of agriculture for the whole continent of South Africa. Yeah, or, but, whole, but, yeah. But, but at least at least at least in Zimbabwe they took away the lands. They took away the lands and didn't kill the farmers. Here in South Africa they now just yeah. killing the farmers. Yeah. Uh, I mean the land now stands empty and nothing is going on. Yeah. Well and I looked into it too. One of the, I don't I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, one of the uh, the the main sources of income and revenue for Zimbabwe now is professional hunters that come from uh, from different countries that want to bag a lion or a gazelle or an antelope or whatever you know that's one of their main sources of income and how uh, that's not enough. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The whole economy is is, is going to be in shambles if we don't stop these farm murders. I mean, like I said, we'll have to start importing food, which our farmers are currently growing now. So <clears throat> we need, I mean, we can give a security. We can assist with all the security mm-hmm. on the farms. But I mean, the government, we know the government don't pay. So we need to get an organization like the United Nations or somebody that will come in and say, listen, uh, Francois, yeah, yeah, we can, we can fund, fund this operation. We want to protect our farmers. Yeah, we we will fund you. So go ahead, place your guards, protect our farmers and our economy, basically. Yes, yes, you know, and I, um, I've I've heard some people too because I've talked to Ernst Roots of Afroforum, and I've I've read his book too, and that's where I really really learned uh, some of the worst that has happened. I read some stuff that was just chilling that uh, you know you only can imagine in a horror movie. And, uh, you know, uh, 
so let me ask you this. You, you know, you got PRSS that you're you're uh, working on. Uh, would you uh, work with an organization like uh, AfroForum to, to try to help this get going faster? Because something's got to happen very quickly. Yes, definitely. I've, I've, I mean, I've sent mails to uh, AgriForums, you know, to Agri-South Agri Africa, which is a big organization, it's a government organizations. And uh, I'm still waiting on the response, you know, uh, to, to see how we can assist because, I mean, we definitely need to do something about the situation. And, I mean, we as PRSS can definitely assist with us. But, uh, like I said, government or somebody with a financial capability need to step step up. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, if you you don't mind, I'd like to uh, shift gears a little bit because uh, there's more I want to talk about uh, in your fighting career, and uh, I I just have to ask you know because uh, you you went to Japan you did the one bout in MMA um, you also you, you also did uh, uh, K1 too and uh, obviously uh, going it in, going into K1 uh, did you have any um, Besides boxing, do you have any uh, martial arts background to to help you in in that no, sport? No, my, my only background I had was watching the Bruce Lee movies. <laughs> but uh, let me tell you something. You know what? I I did gain a lot of respect for these because as I uh, when I when I entered into Japan, I uh, told these guys I said I'm gonna basically kick your ass. You know, I'm here to kick ass. And, uh, you know, uh, I gained a lot of respect for these guys because that first kick I felt, you know, it's, it, uh, it just shows you that don't ever talk about anybody's profession until you've walked those shoes, you know, and I've walked those shoes and I've been in those shoes and I know how it feels. And, uh, you know, what? Uh, it's a different profession. It's way different than boxing. You know, and uh, one guy I've interviewed in the past on my previous show, I, I like him as a person. He's a funny guy, Bob Sapp. But uh, as a as a fighter, oh. as a fighter, um, you know, I mean, he he started out really good. I'll give him that. He he beat Ernesto Hoost, and who else can really say they've done that? And yeah, he's done it twice. I mean, I mean definitely. But if, I mean, you know what? He was Bob. The thing about Bob is, I mean, he can't go past one round. Then he's dead tired. <laughs> And, uh, you know what, he's got the first round and he's got to do it in the first round. If he doesn't do it, then, I mean, he's, he's there for the taking. But, uh, but a very nice, a big giant, uh, a big, uh, lovable giant, very good uh, person, you know, uh, itself. And I think for the sport, uh, it was good for the sport because, I mean, everybody loves him in Japan. Yes, yes. Uh, how would you have felt of uh, go? Uh, going against uh, Bob Sapp, and how do you think you would have fought mm. him? <laughs> it probably wouldn't have been a match, uh, you know, at all. But uh, we've been friends, me and Bob as friends. We're actually still talking, uh, you know. Uh, so, but I mean, that wouldn't have been a good match for basically for 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 the for the K one. It wouldn't have been a good match because I would have destroyed the hero. I I uh, definitely <laughs> believe it, you know, because. Um, I mean, Bob Sapp for a big guy. I mean, uh, uh, he he had a he had a glass jaw. I hate to say it, you know, and no, I don't mean no, any he, disrespect. He cannot take a he cannot take a punch at all. I mean, you know, as soon as he feels the punch is coming, he's turning he's turning his head away. So I mean, that would have been just uh, disastrous against me. <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, that. Uh, 
and that fight he had against Krokop too, against Mirko Krokop. Oh my God! Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But he's a, you know what? For the for the for the sport of uh, in Japan, he was very popular, and uh, you know he was he, he excited the he excited the sport. So it was a good uh, good thing that he got involved. Uh, he's still involved, as I as I spoke to him a while ago. He's still involved, and he's doing some uh, some some tournaments. I think he's also promoting some shows himself. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, when I I look at your wins in K one too, um, uh, the guy, two guys you beat. I uh, I just have to ask what happened because uh, I never saw the fights, but uh, you beat Jerome LeBanner, who's uh, obviously a K1 legend and Peter Arts too and not very many people can say they've beaten yeah, Peter Arts yeah. yeah you know I've beaten the, the most important in there and then I've lost to some guys that I shouldn't have lost but I mean you know what uh, I've trained I've had Lloyd from Dimes Lloyd from Dimes was down here in uh, South Africa I brought him over and he did the training with me because I, I knew I had to, to, to take care of my legs and the reason why I brought uh, Lloyd Van Dance was to actually, you know, uh, point to train me to, 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 to block the kicks. And sure enough, Peter Arts, uh, a very hard kicker, you know, the best in probably K1. I mean, uh, that's what I did with him, you know, we were training Lloyd Van Dance. I blocked when he kicked and, you know, he broke his foot on my, on my shin bone. And that's how I, that's how I won that fight. Oh, he, 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 oh, okay, so he broke his foot, but it wasn't like uh, what happened to Anderson Silva or Tyrone Spong, or wasn't an incident like that, was it? No, 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 no. I, I had a game plan for him, and I know the kicks. And I, 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 I mean, the kicks that I felt the first round, I, I just wanted to close my eyes and you know said, hey, this is this is terrible. But then uh, you know I blocked blocked again. He like many of my fights, my 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 mind takes over, you know. And uh, once my mind takes over, then then the buffalo is good. Yes, yes. And you mentioned uh, around the start of this interview too that uh, you know you thought the MMA bout, but first you thought it might be pro wrestling. Is uh, pro wrestling something uh, you've uh, dabbled into at all? Yeah, a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, I, I think I've, uh, they wanted me to do some pro wrestling. Uh, I've, I've had the opportunity to with guys in South Africa to do some pro wrestling, but you know, it never, it never takes off. It never, it never takes off for me yet. But you know, in the future, I think the USA is much bigger in in, in that game. So if a Buffalo is going to double into that, then I'll probably have to do uh, something in the United States. So let me ask you this question. Let's say, let's say you get a call from Vince McMahon and uh, you know, you whether it's a, a one, one night contract or whatever it may be for you. If you were to step in the in the WWE ring, uh, do you think it would uh, suit you more to be the face or the heel? I don't. I don't think they can. Uh, you know. I don't think those guys can ride buffaloes. Uh, I've, I've, I've looked at them. I don't see. I don't see any of them that can ride a buffalo so far. So my, maybe we'll have to find someone that can ride a buffalo. Then, if he says he can ride the buffalo, let's get him on. <laughs> yes. But uh, <sighs> but uh, as 
but in wrestling, of course, you have to have a character, you know, whether you're the, the hero or the villain. What what do you think would suit you uh, better? I can, I can be both. Yeah. Buffalo can be both. Yeah, I can be both differently. But uh, I'll probably always be the hero. There's <laughs> only one white buffalo, but white buffalo is not extinct yet. Yes, yes. You know, and later on in this show, too, um, Hey, I've got to I've got to do a tribute to the Undertaker because I'm not really much of a wrestling fan, but when it comes to uh, wrestling, if I watch the Undertaker, he's always amazed me. You know, and it's yes, yes, and big man, big man. Yeah, most definitely. But uh, yeah, so 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 you have a buffalo. The buffalo is open for anything. Uh, I mean, you know what? Uh, we can say like this: money talks and bullshit walks. That's what they say, isn't it? Oh, that that's what uh, that's what I've been hearing for a long time, and it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all. That's what it's all about. Is a mighty dollar. That's what it's all about. Yes, yes. So. Um, you know, you talked about you talked about uh, a possible rematch with Tyson after uh, his his bout coming up with uh, Jones, but uh, for you, you yeah, you know what? The Buffalo never had a rematch in his in his life. I don't know if the guys were scared what will happen the second time around, but I mean, I've never had a rematch. So I think now it will be probably an exhibition as well. We're looking at guitar. For me and Mike Tyson, if he's if he's game, yeah, let's get it on. You know, let's get it on. In the meantime, in the me in the meantime, Billy, you know what I'm doing? I got so many fans around the world. <clears throat> so anyway, you know, I'm opening up White Buffalo Boxing and Fitness, where where basically uh, our first gym will be opened here in uh, KZN, uh, Durban. Yes. And uh, then everybody around the world, you know, we will be live stream my sessions. There will be professional instruction instructors uh, involved, K1 MMA and boxing, and there will be classes given on a daily basis. And uh, right now, everybody around the world can train with a buffalo. Because any, every, you know, every every father and mother is asking me, can you please train my kid? Can you please train my son? And uh, now, you know, everyone around the world will have an opportunity as to train with a white buffalo. Yes, yes. I do have to ask you, though, um, with uh, the the problem we have with this uh, so-called pandemic, um, you know, I've had the I've had COVID and I can tell you it ain't shit. But other I know it affects mm. it, it affects other people in different ways. You know, I didn't get very sick at all, but other people have. I do understand that, you know, but yes, yes. with uh, but with with this with this going on, uh I can imagine this is this has hurt the business. This has definitely hurt every economy we know. And it, as as for you trying to get something started like this, uh, how tough is it with this going on right now? Mm, yeah, correct. But uh, but 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 this is something we're going to beat. The whole world is going to beat this because uh, as you can see in the past, you know there was like a lot more people died of other diseases. Yes. You know, like, Let's say, let's say even measles or, or bird flu or something like that. A lot, millions of people died. So, so the the, the, the this, uh, uh, this this disease now is just like a, a, a temporary, I believe, or something that we will beat soon. I believe it too. I mean, uh, Trump talks about the vaccine, but of course, our election right now is a mess, and Trump has not conceded yet. And I 
don't see him doing so anytime soon. But, uh, yeah, now now we're gonna look at the other situation. This might be chemical, like a chemical warfare. Why 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 if a disease starts somewhere when everybody now is clean and, and and around the world, when uh, there's more diseases and you know more deaths going on. Uh, <clears throat> Look at the financial uh, situation. You know, who's gain? We must look at that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, to got to got to get this mess sorted out. To, you know, to, I really I didn't want to bring my political views <laughs> into into this interview too much. But uh, you know, I'll anybody who listens to me and knows that I have a I have a segment called conservative talk obviously knows mm, mm, that mm. Uh, my my uh, political views are ov- obviously more to the right conservatively of course but uh, yeah. no, but, uh, but but the, 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 the most important thing for us right now for for basically is the farmers we got to protect our farmers you know we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get somebody to basically fund this situation where we can really protect the farmers. Everybody around the world must and will, will, uh, you know, benefit with uh, us, and you know, our farmers will also tremendously benefit because of their safety. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We got to get our farmers uh, taken care of because the farmers are the ones that feed the nations. Yes, hundred percent. They are bread baskets. And uh, you know if we're gonna we're gonna kill the farmers, then there's gonna be nothing. Everybody's gonna have to stop importing food. Soon there will be big big chaos. So it's a very very uh, important issue, you know, uh, something that uh, not only from us on the security point of view, but people around the world. I've I've had people now that that actually want to donate and said, please, we will donate to assist, but. You know, it's not, and I and I tell the people, I said, you know, keep your money. It's not you that has to pay the money. You as a public, it's it's a government organizations that's got to take care of our farmers here. Yeah. Yes, yes, they, you know, and, so, and something's got to happen soon. Which is, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden has already stated back in 1986 how he uh, uh, how he felt about uh, South Africans and and all that, and you know, and and uh, so I. You know, he gets in there. I don't expect him to do a damn thing. Uh, Trump get, gets a second term. He he may be able to pull something off. And, you know, I can't uh, I can't say uh, 100%, you know, but uh, yes. I, I think we keep Trump in there. We have a chance. All of yeah, us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation now, and we'll have to see how it uh, pans out. But, I, you know, we need some help here. And uh, you know what? The buffalo, uh, the buffalo is giving is is is, is very, We can give you our services, but I mean, you know what? We need to secure the payments. That's the main thing, you yes. know. And some organizations gotta come and say, "Listen, buffalo, yeah, yeah, we are. Put your guards there, protect the farmers, and then I mean, we can go ahead." Now, one more question because we gotta wrap this up soon. Is uh, yes, where did where did you get the name? Uh, how did the name buffalo come about? <laughs> okay, it's a long story, but I mean, I, I was doing a fight. I was, I was, uh, you know, all the Muslim leaders, Farrakhan, everybody was in Vegas. I was doing a, a press conference. Tyson was sitting there. I was sitting there, dunking, and I was getting ready to announce the fight with uh, me fighting Mike Tyson. At that stage, my my uh, 
my ring name was the rough diamond, you know, like a diamond in the rough. Yes. So I just got up and I said, listen, man, if, you, if Peter McNeely was another white fighter at that stage and he, he came walking in there, basically like a duck stuck in mud, but he came walking in there and he said, I want to fight Mike Tyson. And I said, listen, man, I just got up. And I said, listen, if you want to fight Tyson, you got to get past the Buffalo. Now, I don't know why I said Buffalo, but I mean, it's, I just said it. And then Dan King's PR guy was in the audience. And the next day, in the newspaper, he's white, but he can fight the white buffalo. Nice. So, 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 so that's how the name originated, the white buffalo. was basically at a press conference with uh, Farah Khan, the Muslim leaders, Don King, Mike Tyson. And I just said it. Got to get past the buffalo. From then on, the white buffalo was born. Nice, nice. You know, I take that back. I actually had one more question that uh, almost slipped my mind, and I'm glad I just remembered. But uh, okay. I remember too uh, going back to K one. There was there was one fighter that uh, that in K one that I absolutely loved watching, and that was another South African by the name of Mike Bernardo. And oh, great, great, yeah, yeah. it was very good. Uh, yes. me, and, me and Mike was good friends. Also, pretty what happened to him. Uh, yeah. I think he was he got involved in the wrong company, but uh, yeah, he was a good 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 uh, man. And it was great for K1 as well. I was so uh, yeah. I was going to ask you how would you have felt uh, against a bout with him, or even Butterbean for for that matter. Butterbean, can you believe it? But anyway, Butterbean a good man himself. Got a good heart, great heart. Uh, you know, uh, people don't know what uh, fighters go through, and they always want to talk yeah. about somebody. But that's what I'm saying. Before you talk about anybody. Or anybody's profession, walk those shoes first. If you walk those shoes, then you might have a different opinion. <laughs> yeah, I had to throw Butterbean in there because I watched that fight with him and Mike Bernardo. And, oh, boy, if anybody could really take a take a strike, whether it be a kick or a punch, Butterbean could do it. Wow. <laughs> uh, he's, he's something. Uh, he's an awesome, awesome person as well. Yes. <laughs> well, I want to thank you once again for joining me here on the show and uh Got to hit our uh, music set coming up here, uh, but before we get to that, uh, why don't you give yourself a plug? If you, I know uh, I found you on Facebook, but if you uh, if you have a website or uh, uh, any other social media, why don't you go ahead and plug that? Yes, well, what what we will do, uh, Billy, with uh, White Buffalo Boxing and Fitness, we we will have a website. The website will come out. It will be an interactive website where most of our fans every day can 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 communicate with us. So so it'll be very exciting for any combat sport to get to get with uh, White Buffalo Boxing and Fitness. Get on that website. Put all your questions. We will take care of everybody and anyone on that website. All right. Well, I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Once again, thank you so much. It's been an Absolute pleasure talking to you here on the show. Uh, likewise, really, and I appreciate you having me on the show. All right. You take care. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the interview with the White Buffalo, Francois Botha. We're going to hit our next music set. Uh, coming up, we have Dead, spelled D-E-D, going to be followed by Josh Bricker. We're going to have a double dose of Motley Crue, so to speak. We've got Edge of Paradise and Modern Echo going to uh, 
cover uh, two songs by Molly Crew, and it's going to be topped off with Mandy Shea. We'll be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. I am the opposite, God forbid I could be Living antithesis, revel in this, resist Maybe you'll get to just venomous Standing in line is the way that you go I will survive on the path that I chose Sever the ties from the blind and all those Ignorant bastards I am and could you won't take me I am obsessed with the butts with the leave a mark. Show me your battle scar, ripping the rules apart. I am wild. Give me a stone and I'll cast the first blow. Cover me up in the truth that I know. Do it now when you said that I won't. Hungry and harder and all of my you won't. the holiday it should be. Be it through political correct censoring or materialistic commercialization, it's safe to say I've pretty much ran the gamut on how the holiday ain't what it used to be. However, 
I failed to address a particular group of people. The humbuggers. That poor group of bastards that are forced to endure this insipid event year after year. You poor bastards. And honestly, I can see why they hate the holiday. It's become this annoying chore everyone is obligated to participate in. You're obligated to tolerate family and friends. You're obligated to put up with fellow classmates or co-workers. You're obligated to decorate your entire home with gaudy lights and inflatable gnomes. And it's downright demanded of you to buy everyone something. Yeah, that might be feasible if I was like an oil czar on crack. But unfortunately, I'm on a fixed income and my holiday cheer isn't dictated by an ingestible platter of festive contraband. So forgive me if I'm not hemorrhaging gifts while my veins burst from holiday cheer. Aside from the mass holiday hysteria these humbuggers have to put up with, they now also have to deal with a plethora of overly cheerful jizzwads all up in their face saying, Hey, where's your holiday spirit, huh? Or, don't be such a Scrooge, it's Christmas! You know... If someone comes off like they're a Scrooge, it's probably because their Christmas bonus wasn't an extra bottle of Valium and a case of liquor. And speaking of holiday spirits, you've had your fill. Put the bottle down and stop spewing your holiday cheer all over my carpet. And that's another thing. Why does every motherfucker on the planet have to use Christmas as an excuse to get shit-faced? This irks me the most. Because anytime someone invites me to a holiday party, it's just a bunch of douchebags with holiday hats falling all over each other while an alcohol-induced slut runs around with mistletoe strapped to her vagina. Sorry, folks. Not my kind of holiday. I'd rather wait for Santa to bring me something a little more useful than general warts in a grab bag of STDs. Clowns. So, for this holiday season, be mindful of those who don't care about it. Leave them the fuck alone. And if they don't have the holiday spirit, it's probably because overdeveloped cocksnots such as yourself have ruined the holiday year after year by making it a materialistic gift-waving bar fight. Shut up. Leave them alone and take that stocking hung with the greatest of care off the fireplace and put it over your fucking head. Piss the season to go play with some plastic bags, motherfucker! It's a humbugger holiday, which means there's no cheer, and you've overstayed your welcome merely by showing up. Go home. a kid My daddy taught me about country music About Haggard and Whitley and sad song But today all you hear is some pretty boys question Where have the outlaws gone? This country ain't country no more Ain't about whiskey and slamming doors Ain't about lovers and fighters and pulling all night And I wonder what they would say If they heard country today They'd probably be glad they shut that door Cause country ain't country no more 
life's too short to sit around. There's no time for regret. Take a breath and just let go. Trade off. In South Africa, genocide of white people, black-on-white violence, is rampant and ongoing. The South African mainstream media has kept this genocide hush-hush, and South Africa's politicians have been silent about it. It's time for the silence to end. Enter USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. USAC Incorporated comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit USAC.center. That's USAC.center. USAC, working to bring back a safe, truly unified South Africa. This is the Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Doogie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. 
Hey everybody, it's your boy Westdog from the GF6 Show reminding you to check us out on the baddest station on the planet. For station and broadcast times, go to www.gf6.com. That's G-F-S-I-X.com. You know what we do. Blow it up. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The High Ion Bio-Key Quantum Scalar Energy Pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live, entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Building in a little hick town. This is Outlaw Radio. I'm not in a mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Mandy Shea with Come With Me. Before that, Modern Echo with a cover of Motley Crue's If I Die Tomorrow. Before that, Edge of Paradise with another Motley Crue cover, Saints of Los Angeles. Before that, Josh Bricker with Country Ain't Country No More. And starting off the whole set, Dead, spelled D-E-D with anti-everything and uh normally this uh time of the show we uh have chris do news of the weird but we're doing something a little bit different and for that purpose welcoming back uh, our former co-host and good to have him back for this segment the mad dog Derek stark what's going on brother well it's going pretty good man how are you doing all right all right so I just want to do some, we're going to be doing a tribute to uh, somebody who has not passed away, but some call him the dead man. And after watching uh, Survivor Series, um, at least a certain part of Survivor Series last Sunday, I just figured I had to do this on Outlaw Radio. So got a little clip here I'm going to run, and then we're going to get right into the conversation. Outlaw Radio pays tribute to The Undertaker. This is how Shawn Michaels eliminated Diesel. Here we go. Shawn Michaels eliminated that shot down. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker is going to WrestleMania. Buckle up, Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> 
spirit of the Undertaker will not rest in me. last weekend on Survivor Series, uh, there was a massive group of uh, WWE superstars who came out to the ring to uh, pay their respects. Among them, uh, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, um, Triple H, I think was one of them. I can't remember them all, but uh, yeah. And everything they had to say about The Undertaker, too, they uh, is John Cena that uh, said the bar of respect for the WWE is the Undertaker, and uh, the reason why I wanted to do this segment is because you know, uh, Derek, as you know, I'm not much of a wrestling fan, but when it when the Undertaker was on, I I always had to watch. There was something about the Undertaker that always captivated my interest. He, he there was no one else like him. I rem- remember when he. Um, First time I saw him was back in uh, 1991. There was no one else like him that I'd ever seen in wrestling before. I hope I didn't lose you. <laughs> I see you're still on here, but... Oh, can you hear me now, Billy? Yes, I can. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, apparently I was muted on my end. But anyways... uh Anyways, The Undertaker, you know, the man behind the character, he was in WCW for a bit, and Jim Hurd and Ole Anderson, and I think someone else was saying, oh, nobody will ever pay to see you wrestle. It's like, it's like, well, screw you too. But then, I mean, this was un- this was Vince McMahon's brainchild, you know, the gimmick and everything. And, you know, you had your Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Jake Roberts, but nobody was like The Undertaker at that time in 1990 to 1991. It was like, he, he captivated so many people because he wasn't saying take your prayer or say your prayers and take your vitamins and all that stuff. He wasn't saying, Ooh, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't saying any of that shit. He was talking about taking your soul and making you rest in peace. Yeah. I mean, uh, I gotta admit, um, you know, I, at times I found the Paul bear to be a little an- annoying. <laughs> But, you know, because I kind of looked at the pallbearer as like this unleashed chihuahua that wouldn't ever stop barking. But, uh, you know, he he had his own character there and just um, but, uh, you know, uh, the first time I watched The Undertaker was was against Hulk Hogan. And, you know, it was it was a 
it was different to to see him there. You know, he brought the casket to the to the ring and all that. And uh, yeah, it was Survivor Series, I believe, nineteen ninety one, where he uh, he defeated Hulk Hogan for the championship. And then the following pay per view, uh, Hulk Hogan exacted his revenge, uh, took the urn from the pallbearer, took a handful of ashes, threw him in the Undertaker's eyes, and and won his title back. Um, but, but yeah, I think that was kind of kind of Hulk Hogan, you know, stroking his ego a little bit. I think. Yeah. But um, but I mean, you know, with somebody like like Undertaker, it's like you give him the title. How are you going to beat him unless you do something illegal or or have somebody interfere? That I mean, that's the only way you defeat the Undertaker seriously. So. And then, see, just The Undertaker, his ring entrance was unlike anyone else's. You know, was, he was, you know, we've had we've had faces and heels throughout uh, wrestling history, even going back to the days of Gorgeous George and, and uh, you know, black and white TV and all that. But uh, there was no other heel like The Undertaker who, ca- who came in and, did what he did with that like horror movie personification that he brought you know and uh the one match that i will never forget was against uh, jake the snake roberts now another thing that was just so different about the undertaker too is uh dd he got ddt twice in that matchup and mm-hmm. the, there's the undertaker flat on his back and he gets up real slowly, kind of like Frankenstein gets up. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. He just got up real slow and and kind of very eerie in the way he did it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, from '91, watching him win the win the WWF title to the next next year WrestleMania, uh, going up against Jake Roberts and. How I mean, when Jake hooked that hooked your hooked his arm around your head and drove your head into the mat with that DDT, you didn't get up from that. But but Undertaker was more of the um, more of the uh, dead personification and all that, so it really didn't affect him because at that time part of his gimmick was that he was impervious to pain, so he would he would always get up and people would be like, "How do you stop this man? How do you stop this man?" And I, I, I remember that match. Uh, Jake going outside trying to take the urn from Paul Bear, turning around and the Undertaker just tombstoning him outside, putting him in the ring and then pinning him one, two, three in what was Jake Roberts' last match in WWF for God knows how many years. And the and the way he'd pin people back then too, he'd do the tombstone pile driver and uh, mm-hmm. Jim Ross. I think he killed him. I think he killed him. <laughs> you know and. Uh, <laughs> So you know, and he'd take he'd take your hands and put them uh, kind of across them at your waist, you know, like that of a corpse laying in a uh, coffin, and, and it was over. That's a that's how the Undertaker yep. would pin you. Unlike you know, Hulk Hogan would would hold you, or everybody else would hold you in a in a rearside cradle or something like that. No, he he did it so differently, and um. And also uh, his eyes, the what he'd always rolling his eyes back, so you see the whites of his eyes, you know, and that the way he yep. d- he dressed and that that eerie hat he'd wear, you know. <laughs> yep, the, yep, the duster jacket, the the gray gloves, and then what became after in like nineteen ninety five, I believe, was purple gloves, 
but yeah, the the black hat, the duster jacket. It, 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 it was almost like something, almost like something out of the old west. It was like Clint Eastwood is coming to do a final battle, yeah. and here he comes. You know. Yeah, kind of like yeah. That's a good example you make too, like uh, Clint Eastwood and Pale Rider, because uh, you're not gonna yep. ki- you're not gonna kill this man. He's already dead. Yep, exactly. He this <laughs> this time around, he's coming to haunt your ass. You know. Yep, and yeah, and and what was so cool about it was that if you know this was like later on in the in the matches he did like if he lost by a casket match or buried alive match when he would come back almost immediately that first victim when he comes back would be the person that ended up putting him in the casket or burying him alive and i thought that was just so cool because he would actually haunt that that wrestler for like five months and then I also remember him and Paul Bear locking uh, the Ultimate Warrior in a casket. <laughs> they oh, op- yeah. They open that casket. The Ultimate Warrior is uh, unconscious from, and they see the inside of the casket is is just all torn to shreds because he was trying to claw his way out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I re- I remember yep. that pretty well too. And then the way also that uh, the Undertaker was able to morph the character into I don't know in around the two thousands he decided to morph the character into something else into in a more like a biker and he you know he'd ride a Harley to the ring and mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah what I, what I was getting from was some of these interviews that he started to do podcasts you know interviews now with. Uh, different people off YouTube I've been seeing is that is that he would he would always try to morph the character into something a little bit different, and then at that time he he thought he he ran his course you know with the Ministry of Darkness and all that when when he became the corporate ministry and all that, and then all of a sudden he took a break and came back and he was just this biker, which actually the guy behind the Undertaker character Mark Calloway likes to ride bikes, so we actually saw an extension of his actual self. I thought I thought that was just so cool because seeing him come back, I thought he retired and everything like that. But seeing him come back on a bike, I couldn't believe it. But then all of a sudden, that next the next few nights, he was coming out, being more vocal, and and of course having a kid rocks on. I mean, for an entrance, I mean, you know, that's pretty damn sweet. Yeah, yeah, because uh, in those the early nineties, he he wasn't very vocal at all. It was just that low voice. Rest in peace. You know that yep, that yep. was, and in fact, uh, you know it, he wasn't he didn't cut any promos in those early days. It, it was the Paul Bear doing the majority of it for him, and then he'd say like maybe ten words at the very most. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> the, the Paul Bear is something else too. It, actually, that tribute. Speaking of the Paul Bear, I kind of liked uh, how they made that virtual image of the pallbearer uh, holding the urn, and uh, the Undertaker, of course, kneels uh, before it with his hand out. Yep, yep, I saw that. That was that was pretty special. Uh, the only way it would have been a little bit more special is if Paul Bear was alive to actually be there to actually do that. That oh. would have made it a lot more special. You know, that and, that and having it in front of a whole bunch of fans, but of course with with COVID-19, you know, all that stuff happening, you know, you, 
you had to make the best out of a bad situation. Yes, yes. And so, you know, and I look at uh, what uh, The Undertaker has in influence, of course, uh, when Kane finally came to the WWE. I mean, he's another dark character, and then you can't tell me the Wyatt family hasn't taken a little bit of that dark, eerie influence that The, the mm. Undertaker started. We're talking about an originator here in uh, professional wrestling. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there was no... There was really no more no dark characters around the time that Undertaker came around, and then in like 1997 when Paul Bear came out and said, "Your brother Kane is coming," which was kind of ironic because in the first two matches before Survivor Series that they actually had taped, the Undertaker's name was actually Kane, the Undertaker, and then they shortened it to just the Undertaker. So then all of a sudden Kane comes along. And what I thought was one of the greatest storylines that WWE ever did was The Undertaker having a brother, which got that feud going from, uh, from Oct I think it was October when he debuted, all the way till after WrestleMania, I believe it was 14, when they had that when they had that match at WrestleMania, and then they had that Inferno match at the next pay per view. I mean, you know, you see dark characters now. It's like you know what, take a little bit from The Undertaker and Kane and make it into something of your own. Because, I mean, they they originated it, obviously, but, I mean, you could see The Fiend, you know, and then the Wyatt family. Obviously, they were dark and scary and everything like that, but you know where some of that came from, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, like they, they, they said, you know, um, you know, like, t take uh, bands, for example, like uh, today from... Marilyn Manson to uh, Kiss and Rob Zombie, and all of them got uh, one of the greatest influences of all time, and that was Alice Cooper, who who was doing things that nobody had ever seen or thought about before. I mean, not only had not done, mm -hmm. but this stuff was not thought about. In professional wrestling, what The Undertaker did was not thought about. You know, it, and he was brilliant. And is the Undertaker done wrestling? I, I highly doubt it. I think he's going to take a few bumps here and there over the years. But uh, for the, the of course, uh, the greater of his career is officially over. And we're never going to see anything like him again. I, I honestly don't think we will because he was definitely uh, one of a kind, a million and one kind of character. And he actually, re he actually redefined what being a big a big guy in professional wrestling was supposed to be because, you know, you had, you had King Kong Bundy and Andre the giant that used their size. Well, you got undertaker who was six foot 10 and over 320 some pounds flying over that top rope all the way down to the floor, like a cruiserweight and walking the ropes, like a, like a, like another cruiserweight, like a cat. And I mean, I mean, undertaker really redefined what a big man could actually do in the professional wrestling business. And, to be honest, I think he's actually done because I think I think this match that he had at WrestleMania 36 this past April um, with AJ Styles in the in the Boneyard match. I truly think that this that that was the last match. I I do think that was it for him. But to be honest, he'll probably make appearances and maybe take a few bumps. But I think as far as matches go, I think he's done. But yeah, but, yeah. you know, I mean. You know, I mean, Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow—they really redefine what a big man can do too. But I mean, Undertaker. I mean, you can't get a six foot ten guy like that, regular sized guy, to fly like that. I mean, that that took really something special. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and see, in his early days, he really didn't do that because he kind of embraced that per, per, personification of the dead man who is right. just oblivious to pain, you know. And and so he moved he moved slow, you know, and, you know, grabbing your neck, getting ready for that choke slam or whatever, you know. And then later on, I yep. think it, it was uh, when he, when he uh, decided, you know, to go biker is when we could really see that, that he could move for a big man and he could really move. Yep, and and the fact that he could, that you know, like some big guys can't have uh, good matches with uh, with um, you know smaller uh, technical people like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Undertaker, even in the late nineties, when when he went up against Bret Hart and you know Shawn Michaels, especially in the in the Hell in the Cell match that he that he pretty much helped create the Hell in the Cell match, the casket match, the Buried Alive match, all these all these matches. I mean, you could see that Undertaker could fight against a smaller-sized guy like Rob Van Dam, Jeff Hardy, uh, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. I mean, I mean, he could he could have really good matches with damn near everybody. Yeah, and uh, and that even includes you know big boys like uh, Brock Lesnar. I, uh, in fact, uh, yep. like I said, you know, if there's anybody I uh, paid attention to in WWE it was the Undertaker, and here I am. I'm not even a wrestling fan, but yeah, I've got to get. Unforgiven back in the summer of 2002 so I can watch um, The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. And, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar yep. ha- had destroyed Hulk Hogan and destroyed The Rock. But uh, yep. when it came to when it came to The Undertaker, uh, yeah, he fought him to a draw and then later on beat him, you know. T- yep, yep. <laughs> um, you know, um, even even surprised Brock Lesnar a lot to what uh, the Undertaker of what was what he was truly capable of too, and then they they mm-hmm. met ye- years later again, and I, I don't know if you remember this, Derek. It was like two years later they met in what was called a biker chain match. Oh yeah, yep, yep. I remember that match, and then uh, and that pretty much led to I think a Hell in a Cell match. And I believe a buried alive match that Taker had against uh, Vince McMahon with the help of Kane, which set for the dead man to come back at WrestleMania 20, which was at Madison Square Garden where they uh, defined it as where it all begins again, which is actually kind of a nice way to go back to the dead man gimmick. Yes, yes. So. And uh, I think uh, the only match that uh, with, the, with the Undertaker that uh, disappointed me was this uh, was that one in uh, Dubai against uh, Goldberg. You know, I mean, I yep. mean if and the, the one thing I know that there's two matches the, f- the fans wanted with the Undertaker it was either against Sting or against um, against uh, Goldberg. You know, obviously, I, th- I him and Sting should have happened. You know, Sting being another originator himself of what he does. That would have been yep. one for the ages. And, I mean, can you just imagine the two of them in their prime going to wrestle? Well, one one thing I wish would have happened was, like, around where Dead Man or The Undertaker came back at WrestleMania 20, I was thinking, what if they could have got Stain for that match instead and then had Stain versus The Undertaker at Madison Square Garden, you know, I think that would have been a hell of a match, especially since Undertaker was still damn good around WrestleMania 20 and 
So it was Sting. But, I mean, I was happy that Sting came, came to WWE, but... I mean, his match against Triple H at WrestleMania 31, that should have been Undertaker versus Sting. At least give us something, but, I mean, you know, I mean, I I, I personally was disappointed with the match with Goldberg, but, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, you're, you're overseas and everything like that, and the weather's a lot different than it is in America. Yeah, yeah, and not only that too, but uh, both of them long past their prime and have having yep. issues, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, yep. And that's why it just turned into the disappointment that it was, even though uh, wow, I got a and showed definitely the toughness and heart of what, what pro wrestlers uh, have to go through too, because um, where uh, Goldberg uh, busted his head on the uh, in the corner there was not in the script, and he you know yeah he kept going. He kept going. Yep. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that's just like when WrestleMania, I think it was, uh, I think it was WrestleMania 30 when Lesnar went up against Taker and the streak was on the line and then Taker got concussed. And I mean, it was just like, just like, holy shit. You know, it's, I don't know, but, but, but one thing I'll actually remember is being being in Florida for WrestleMania 33 and actually watching Undertaker's entrance live when he went up against Roman Reigns. I thought that was really just amazing seeing that live. Well, and one thing uh, I've got to mention too, even though we're running out of time, got to cut it soon. Um, it was yep. uh, I'll never forget it. Ten years ago, 2010. I'm living in Las Vegas, and so was Stephen James, and the, I have the day off. I'm not working. Steven gives me a call and says, meet me at the Thomas and Mac Center. I got free tickets to SmackDown. I'm like, okay, I'll go. I got nothing better to do. So uh, I meet him there, and, of course, we got we got some back-end seats. We didn't really get the best seats. We got a decent view, though. And then, mm-hmm. uh, of course, the, yeah, that night, uh, Jack Swagger had uh, had cashed in money in the bank and uh, t- and took the uh, heavyweight champion or the WWE championship that night. But, uh, yeah, it was later on, and uh, people were starting to leave not knowing that there was a dark match. The dark match happened to be The Undertaker. And I'm like, and Steven and I are like, everybody's leaving, and they left too fucking soon. And, uh, of course, there's a, not quite, there's, ringside seats available but they're seats a lot closer to the ring and we moved down and it's like you know and i yeah i'm gonna move down there I, if the undertaker's gonna wrestle i want to see this you know and mm-hmm. it, it was it's quite it was it, that was awesome you know and all those it idiots very, that, all those idiots that want to be did. wanted to leave like hey thank you for being stupid <laughs> yeah it was a hell of an entrance wasn't it yes it was and no, I, I actually got close enough to where, because um, the uh, Undertaker's uh, uh, pyro uh, special effects, you know, I could I could feel the heat off of uh, the flames. That's a uh, that's how close I was able to get. That, that's how everybody everybody left. That's yet. Uh, how could you leave when the Undertaker's gonna re- gonna wrestle? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> when we were at WrestleMania thirty three. You know when they when they had that extra long long entrance. You know we were sitting, we were sitting back from where the Undertaker came up, but you know came up from the state from the bottom of the stage to the top of the stage, halfway in between the ring. But all of a sudden, when 
at WrestleMania 33, you know, when they had the uh, the roller coaster on fire and everything, and then the wind changed, we felt those flames too, and, and we weren't even close to the stage, and we're like, holy shit, that's hot. <laughs> yes. It was, but, it was pretty cool, though. I loved it. Yes. Yes, indeed. The Undertaker had one hell of a career that none of us will ever forget. Mm-hmm. Always yes. going to be one of my favorites, no matter what. So, but yeah, I mean, over 30 years, I mean, who would have thought that you keep a gimmick like that fresh for 30 plus years? Only the undertaker could do it. Yep. All right. Well, we are out of time. Um, uh, on the agenda for next week, I should have, uh, the band members of an, another eighties band. Uh, they're, they're called seduce. And I also, I'm hoping to get uh, the New York uh, Patriot, uh, Tina Forte. Derek, if you don't know who she is, you might want to check her out on Twitter. Tina Forte, or it's Real Tina Forty on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's something else, and I'm looking forward to, to talking to her. So, with all that said, we're going to end the show with a little Christmas music. Uh, here's B.B. Chung King and the Buddha Heads and Christmas Letter. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and I'll be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. Well, it's snowing outside my window. I've had too much Christmas cheer. I'm all alone in my room. Christmas Eve is here Now don't forget the Santa I've been misunderstood Please bring her back to me This time I'll be good All up in ribbons Address the car to me Well, she's all that I want Underneath my Christmas tree Well, I don't forget the Santa Misunderstood Please bring it back to me This time I'll be
Santa Please have mercy on a desperate man If you've ever cheated on Mrs. Claus I'm real sure you'll understand Well now don't forget me Santa Cause I've been misunderstood Please bring her back to me This time I'll be good Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than Fresh Baked Tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No futtards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like the Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. How do you stop a terrorist from waking up tomorrow and shooting everyone in Times Square? That threat is on the president's desk every single morning, and our failure to take it seriously proves how weak we've become. That's what happens when the country is run by political and media cowards who cling to their naive belief that the whole world shares our values. Even when Americans are slaughtered by hate-filled jihadists on our own soil, Radical Islam is as evil, violent, and threatening to the future of the world as the Nazis were. It is a tragedy that at a time of such confusion, America is led by people so gutless that instead of identifying the enemy, they distract us with political attacks on the gun rights of the law-abiding. I don't know what motivates politicians, but I know the rule of war. The weak get slaughtered, and we are at war. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. 
Hi, it's the big voice guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208 557-7016 All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Here I am sitting on a porch writing another song about Waylon Willie, David Allen Cole. You can't go wrong. Such great outlaw boys just like me.